This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Exclusive documents obtained by True North reveal the extent that the Trudeau government is willing to go to force farmers to reduce fertilizer emissions in the name of fighting climate change. Questions surrounding the McKinsey-Trudeau contracts dominated the first day of Parliament returning. And Jordan Peterson's event in Ottawa was an apparent success, despite pushback from city councillors and activists who attempted to cancel it. Hello Canada, it's Tuesday, January 31st, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Anthony Fury. And I'm Rachel Emanuel. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. In part one of True North's Fertilizer Files feature, it was revealed that the federal liberal government considered forcing a carbon tax-like regulatory backstop onto farmers should voluntary agreements to get them to reduce fertilizer emissions not meet Ottawa's arbitrary standards. While the feds maintain that fertilizer targets will be voluntary and be based on individually crafted agreements with farmers and industry leaders, documents suggest otherwise. A July 2021 discussion paper sourced by True North from Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada via an access to information request shows the government floating a federal backstop as a policy option should all else fail. Officials at Agriculture Canada wrote, a number of policy measures could be put forward for consideration beyond just a voluntary agreement. A suite of policy approaches will be necessary and consideration to be given to a regulatory backstop should voluntary approaches not be successful. You can find part one of the feature up at www.tnc.news. Part two will be released Monday evening. Part three released Tuesday evening. So Rachel, this is yet another measure by the federal liberal government to bring in climate change by regulation. You have the carbon tax, you have the electric vehicle sales quotas, you have the plastic bag bans, the list goes on, there's more I can name. This is the latest one, and it's one of the ones that there's the most number of question marks out there, because farmers are saying, hold on a second, if you mandate a reduction in fertilizer usage, you're basically mandating a reduction in crop yields, as in the volume of food Canadian farmers produce, as in the volume of food Canadians can buy, can eat, which will create a shortage in the food supply, which will cause food prices to rise all at a time of recession. There's in many ways a lot of technical details in these stories and reports, but I think the broad picture here, Rachel, is is kind of alarming. It absolutely is alarming. And I think the fact that we're missing so many of these technical details is what causes a lot of the fear around these types of situations. We don't know exactly what this plan is going to look like, but we know that farmers have been warning what a rejection in fertilizer use would mean for a long time. And we've seen how similar programs have gone over in the Netherlands where Farmers have taken to the streets and protests, kind of like protests we haven't really seen here in Canada to that extent before. They're certainly a lot more volatile. I even remember back in the summer when some federal agents were caught trespassing on Saskatchewan farmlands and there was fear that they were testing for fertilizer about these types of programs. So 
This is going to cause widespread panic among farmers in Canada. And again, it's just the sort of climate ideology that we've been seeing from the Trudeau government that is just so tone deaf right now at a time of inflation, as you just mentioned. Now, industry right now wants to work in concert with government to make sure this proceeds in a way that they feel is responsible. So they're not making a ton of noise right now. I know they're trying to do things behind the scenes, back channel it. But if the government doesn't adjust their approach, we could see a situation like in the Netherlands, like in Sri Lanka, where there are many protests verging on riots as farmers say, we can't believe you're doing this to us. I have to be honest with you. I just don't know if farmers sort of putting their best foot forward and acting in good faith is really going to be enough because I haven't seen that same willingness from the Trudeau government time and time again. Canadians have consulted with them. Just think about the firearms legislation that's currently before the before Parliament. We currently even have the NDP saying that it's too extreme and that it will take away guns from hunters and farmers. And we're not seeing any willingness from the Trudeau Liberals to change that legislation. So I just haven't seen this government acting in good faith before in the past couple of years anyways. I just don't know if farmers' efforts are going to be enough here. Hopefully they are. I'm not terribly optimistic. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. The Trudeau government's questionable contracts awarded to McKinsey and Company dominated the first day of Parliament's return. In question period, Conservative leader Pierre Polyev grilled Prime Minister Justin Trudeau about the matter. Here's what that sounded like. Well, we finally got him to admit that Canadians are suffering, and it's after eight years of this Prime Minister. After eight years of this Prime Minister, we have 40-year highs in inflation. We have 32% increase in crime. We have the TTC transit system in downtown Toronto overtaken by crime. We have more people eating at food banks and living at homeless shelters after eight years of this prime minister. But not everybody's doing badly. His friends at McKinsey are rolling in cash. First, they said it was 50 million. Now the government says it's over 100 million. We want to know the real number. Will the prime minister finally answer the question? How much did he give McKinsey? The right honorable prime minister. Speaker. Everyone in this House, from conversations with constituents, with conversations with people right across the country, know well that Canadians are facing tough times. What the difference is between the Conservative leader and myself is, instead of proposing real solutions, instead of uh, telling Canadians how they're going to help them and invest them, the Conservative leader stands up, crosses his arms, throws up his hands and says, everything is broken. Well, that's not what Canadians are living through, Mr. Speaker. Canadians stick up for each other. We're there for each other. We support each other through the tough times. That's exactly what we've been doing through this pandemic, through these past years. That's what we will continue to do, no matter how much. Later on in the day, a researcher testifying before the Government Operations and Estimates Committee said the contracts awarded to McKinsey was a distraction and that the focus should be on the public services reliance on consulting firms overall. Amanda Clark, an associate professor of public administration at Carleton University, told MPs that the reliance on consulting firms with the public service, quote, betrays the principles of the public service. Since coming to government in 2015, the Trudeau government has spent $66 million in sole source consulting contracts with McKinsey. 
a report from Public Services and Procurement Canada, said the Trudeau government had actually spent upwards of $100 million on contracts with the international consulting firm. The National Post revealed that the feds have spent over $22.2 billion last year on outsourcing. These are such high numbers, $22.2 billion on outsourcing. I think Amanda Clark's comments here are really interesting, that consulting firms are betraying the principles of the public service. Anthony, we chatted a little bit before about how we're spending so much money on the public service. What is all this money needed for outsourcing? What are these firms doing that the government and the civil service is unable to do itself? And that's the question, Rachel. I think one of the things that we need to get out of these inquiries into all of this is why are you doling out all these contracts? If there is some sort of measurable aspect where you can say, well, look, we wanted to improve facet X of public service delivery. Here's how the McKinsey contract was going to do that. And here are the results of that. Okay, fine. I'm open to hearing all of that. Although I would also like to know why all of the public servants we have hired in Ottawa could not do that themselves without McKinsey. But without all of that, yes, this does seem to betray the basic principles of what government is supposed to be doing. We're not supposed to just be farming all these things out willy-nilly. Sure, it's once again a lack of details. And you know, perhaps my perspective is a bit negative, but it seems like we have seen some scandals from the Trudeau government in the past where, you know, they've done some unethical things. It doesn't ever really seem to bear down any consequences on them. Part of that, I think, is because a lot of the scandals, if we even look at SNC-Lavalin scandal, they're so complicated. I just don't know how much they really resonate with average Canadians. When I talk to people, my friends about it, they, they don't really know what it's about. And once you start explaining it, it just takes so long to kind of get through the weeds that, you know, you sort of see the fog settle over their eyes and they're not really interested. I'm wondering what you think will happen to the government if these contracts are found to be unethical. Will it actually matter or do you think it won't really resonate with the Canadian people? I doubt it will matter and I doubt it will resonate. I think the headline item about Ottawa spending $100 million just for one consultancy firm, that's certainly a headline that people see in terms of a tweet and a, a news ticker that will upset them. But I think the ins and outs of what happens at the inquiry and the sort of prosecutorial approach that I'm sure the opposition will bring to uh, bring truth to the aspects of this we're discussing and to get certain facts out. It's very important. I support them doing that, but I don't think people are going to follow this like the Super Bowl. That's for sure. Thousands of people attended Jordan Peterson's event in Ottawa at the Canadian Tire Centre last night, despite activists and even city councillors attempting to cancel the event. Peterson took the stage on Monday night in the nation's capital as part of his Beyond Order tour. True North was on the scene and noted while thousands were in attendance, no protesters were seen. In the weeks leading up to the event, activists attempted to cancel the event, sending out letters calling on Ottawa City Council to call on the Canadian Tire Centre to not allow it to proceed. One city councillor took them up on that offer. On Friday, Ariel Troster, a downtown Ottawa councillor, wrote to the Canadian Tire Centre asking the venue to not allow it to proceed saying that Peterson, she claims mocks transgender people, vocally supported the Freedom Convoy, and she says that those aspects have caused extreme harm. Rachel, I find it rather interesting and almost rather embarrassing that one or two activists think they have the power to do this, when this is actually an international tour. The Canadian Tire Centre is the largest such venue in Ottawa. It's where NHL games are played, major concerts happen. Jordan Peterson is filling stadiums across the Western world. And if you don't like it, if you don't like him, you're for whatever reason offended by him, okay, that's fine. But you're not going to be able to cancel something with so much broad-based popular support. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've been seeing this with Peterson since he rose to prominence back in 2015, 2016. There were already protesters outside his event, hoping to cancel him because they thought he was dangerous. That's sort of the new terminology we see nowadays. Someone thinks something that you don't agree with or has an opinion that you might not have, they're ultimately going to be dangerous. So I have to say I'm not terribly surprised that these activists gave it their best shot. Certainly in the States, we've seen it on a number of occasions when conservative activists, conservative commentators have gone to speak on university campuses that protesters have showed up and the universities have sort of been forced to close or cancel the event ahead of it, largely out of safety fears. Obviously, that didn't happen here, as you mentioned. There wasn't even any counter-protesters at the event. It was just people who were supporting it. And it is quite remarkable that it's a psychologist who's selling out these huge stadiums. When have we ever seen something like this before? It's quite remarkable. It is definitely a phenomenon. And I think one aspect that Canadian media has made a mistake on covering this is Jordan Peterson is not a fringe element being opposed by mainstream activists, but rather Jordan Peterson is the mainstream NHL stadiums. His publisher is the largest book publisher in the world. Uh, the event sponsor, Live Nation, putting the tour together is the, the largest such entity in the world. He's filling the stadiums. He's the mainstream. And these people coming up with their theatrical, you know, I'm harmed by the fact that he tweeted this or that the other year. I mean, that's kind of the fringe element here. Well, it's just another case of the legacy media really missing the mark on this story. I know so many people and myself included even to a certain element who've listened to Jordan Peterson's podcast and read his book and just been offered some hope and some really practical encouragement during difficult periods in your life. Yes, he tells you how to organize your life in better ways, but if you listen to his podcast, there's a lot of really practical and real advice for people that are struggling. And the reality is there's a lot of people that are struggling right now, as Peterson has noted many times, especially young men. And he has received a lot of pushback for speaking to those disaffected young men. So I think that has really been missed in all of this, just the practicality of Jordan Peterson and the way that he offers hope to people. But I'm not surprised that the legacy media is really missing the mark on this story once again. Fortunately, the legacy media has lost relevance and it doesn't matter. As we mentioned, Peterson is filling up these stadiums all the same. That's it for today. And don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know, including the latest releases of the fertilizer files. And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. Thanks for listening and have a great day.